Hello and welcome to Bold Leadership. I'm Colin Pooler, your co-host, and along with Cavis Reed, we're dedicated to the discussions of leadership. We have entertaining conversations on the challenges, learnings, ups and downs, and fundamentals of leadership. Our podcast involves interviews with people across the spectrum of business, public policy, community, athletics, and across a whole range of ages. So enjoy along with us, every guest and every conversation we have. Laugh a little bit, and don't worry, you don't have to be bald to enjoy it. Today's guest is Jennifer Martin, former television host, television radio director, and now chief executive officer. <laughs> really say we're international now. Oh yeah, yeah, this is, this, Caves, this is actually our first international show, isn't it? You know, the number one reason people often will leave a job, the number one reason is they don't like their leader. They need to feel safe, always feel safe to come to you with things. I don't, I think we forget, especially if we've been in leadership for a long time, I think we forget how hard it is for people to come to a leader with a problem because they see this failure. So I like to tell my people that if you're struggling, it's actually a sign of strength that you're coming to me to ask for help. That's good management. Rather than struggling along alone uh, and having it spiral and get worse to a situation where even together we can't rescue whatever's going on that's impacting you and maybe your, you know, your performance at work. Listen as we have a discussion through leading through significant loss. Where, where, where are you? Don't let me tell that story. <laughs> so, yeah. yeah. I'm not too happy with her right now. <laughs> so I, I get this FaceTime that I missed this morning. And so I decided, you know, because it's Jennifer, I'm going to FaceTime her back. Anyone else? You know, Colin, it'll be three weeks. <laughs> so, yeah, I, I, I know your style. Yeah, so, I, know your style. So I decided to <laughs> FaceTime back and she's sitting at this beautiful bar pool type setting in Mexico. <laughs> yeah. So she says to me, you're wearing a big heavy parka. You must be an Edmonton. <laughs> and look, she's got she's got a nice drink. I, I mean, I have to have something hot to drink, and she's got her <laughs> she's got her nice ice down drink. <laughs> so, so I'm not too very happy with her right now, but I'm proud of her. I, I, can, <laughs> I can understand why you why, why you're mad. Today. I mean, it's I, more envious. <laughs> Well, well, Jennifer, hello. <laughs> I'll sure. I'll be. I'll be a lot. I'll be a lot more kind than uh, than Cavus right now because I, I have a sense he's just going to be all upset this whole thing. <laughs> oh, I record everything, <laughs> and we don't do any editing whatsoever. <laughs> So you better be better be careful. <laughs> oh man! So uh, so welcome to the Ball Leadership Show, um, Jennifer. Our, our, our podcast is normally with people who are willing to uh, stick with our rules, but we obviously we make exceptions every once in a while. So if you want to come with a full head of air, God bless you. <laughs> 
glad that I did not have to meet that stipulation. Uh, that, that, that's all right. Looks so, better on YouTube, then. <laughs> really say we're international now. Oh yeah, yeah. This is this. Caves, this is actually our first international show, isn't it? <laughs> first, <laughs> we've, we've had it big, big time, and, and and with the Jennifer Martin. <laughs> well, okay, so so Jen, before we even get rolling, um, I I, I always have questions about Cavis, right? I mean, I need to hear some. I need to hear some story. We always start off with at least one story, so I got to hear your story. <laughs> man, the legend, the mystery. Always mysterious, all right. Yeah. He thinks he keeps it pretty. He's either darn near perfect as a human being, or really good at keeping the facade going. Uh huh. Door number two. Yeah. <laughs> Take the yeah. ladder. Take the ladder. <laughs> you know, it's funny because I met Cavis. Um, I asked the former president, I guess, or would he have been the board chair of the Edmonton Eskimos at the time, now the Elk. Um, I like to get out and about and talk to people, even if I don't know why. Um, sometimes it's just good to meet uh you know, people who have things on the go and people who've held important roles or uh, who are going to, you know, move into import, important roles. So it was out having uh, a coffee, maybe a beer, with um, the former president of the uh, CFL, one of the CFL teams that Cavis was with. And I said, we're putting on a, a fundraising event. It's going to be a private dinner and, uh, well, ticketed, but it was COVID, so we made it private. And who could I get that would be a really inspirational speaker and he said well I have a friend named Cavus Reed and so he invited Cavus and that was the first time I met him and I'll tell you he got up to the mic and you could hear a pin drop in that room and uh, there'd been wine flowing you know it was a dinner people were having fun and I uh, you could barely shut them up at one point and uh, Cavus spoke and you could hear a pin drop I don't know what the heck you said, Cavis, but I remember being. <laughs> Whatever it was, it was good. <laughs> no, it's, it's called at the door. You hand out money. <laughs> so <laughs> hey, look, guys, this is just make sure try to be polite. Something, there's something imposing about a six foot, you know, nine very fit man with a microphone. <laughs> well. <laughs> Cavis, it's funny how people how people meet when you're speaking somewhere because that's how we met. <laughs> oh yeah, yeah. Jennifer, Cavis and I spoke at at an event, and um, in uh, what was it again? In Lloydminster. In Lloydminster, we were both there the same day. We both we hadn't met before. We ended up staying at the same hotel. And um, uh, uh, a common friend introduced us. So hey, great! So we got to know each other. We had supper, and and uh, and the next day we're both speaking at this event. And and the the crowd was pretty. The level of pigment was the same for the whole crowd, except for the two people that you're seeing here now. And uh, you know the same hairstyles and everything. And everybody was infatuated with Cavus. 
right? I mean, just, just as you said, I mean, they were just infatuated. And some lady walks up to me and asks me for my autograph, thinking I'm famous. <laughs> now, if you put us beside each other, probably the only real thing in common is our hairstyle. He's the better looking one. <laughs> <laughs> well, I, that's the only thing I've got on him. He's, he's taller. He's smarter. <laughs> I'm kind of built horizontally in the shoulders. And Camus is kind of, right? He's kind of stretched out and, and tall. So um, I have no idea how in a room of 100 and some people, maybe, that they got the two black guys mixed up. <laughs> but it was fun. That's how we hit it off. <laughs> I was like, oh, you're looking for the guy over there. Oh, and she just turned around and just walked away. So I'm going to have to give him credit where, where credit is due. He's smarter than me. He's better looking. He's a bodybuilder. Uh, he's CEO of several organizations. He's been chair of the board for the Regina uh, Chamber of Commerce. So he's a very humble guy, unlike myself. But one of the reasons we wanted to have you on, Jennifer, is you've done remarkable things. And you're a woman that moves and you lead. And our whole impetus of this uh, show is to inform people of, of highly respected, uh, energetic movers and shakers as leaders. How can you talk to us about your leadership journey, where you started? Obviously, you're a well-known personality. So, but just for our audience, could you kind of give us a little bit of your leadership journey? Well, first off, thank you very much for the compliments. I uh, I wouldn't say I've done anything remarkable. Um, but I, um, and I'm certainly not in making enough money to be remarkable, but I, you know, I, I think that leadership, um, I've enjoyed my journey because leadership to me comes from within. Um, you know, we all want a bigger paycheck. We, some people want titles, some don't, some want power, but, um, you know, at the end, of, we, we all want to feel good about what we're doing, hopefully, um, and feel like we're growing and achieving and, um, you know, bringing some folks along with us on, a, on an awesome ride. So for me, um, you know, I, I know that we all approach work differently and there's no right or wrong. We're hardwired like that from the day that we're born and it's not something that we can change. So in my time, I've led on-air personalities, I've led engineers, wildly different brain hardwiring and the way they approach work. So, um, I think, uh, you know, as, a, as even a young person, we see, we see people emerge as leaders because they've just got that within them. And it's okay if you don't. Um, there's lots of ways to be a leader in a quiet way um, as opposed to, you know, one of those outspoken extroverts. So I think as a kid, I was always sort of, you know, I was pretty shy, but I was also sometimes, you know, front of the pack, let's do this, let's do this, let's go here, let's go there. Um, so in news media, broadcast news, um, and I was on the air and uh, for well, 20 years, and 
um, you know, in a newsroom, even if you're the news anchor, you're still in a leadership role, even if you don't, you know, you're not signing checks and in a formal management role, you're still leading people. Um, and then I switched or hung up the hairspray and lipstick in 2013 and went into management um, with the Canadian telecommunications company Shaw. And I couldn't have landed at a better place because they have just such an amazing culture built by their founder, J.R. Shaw. Um, so they passed away, uh, I think he was in his early 80s, a couple of years ago. And um, he had just built from ground up this amazing 16,000 person company with really strong values. Um, and uh, it really what it did though was it affirmed rather than taught. It I learned a lot, but it affirmed who I was as a person. And then you carry that into your leadership style. Um, you said the word earlier, humble. That's just so huge as, as a leader that's going to actually captivate people and say, hey, we're going over here. Here's why. It's going to be awesome. Come with me. So how do you be one of those leaders that people go, yeah, I'm following you. I'm all right. in. You know, we've all had leaders that we just... We don't know why. We just want to work hard for them. Like, what is it about them? Sure, they have great personalities, but, and then those are the, you know, the number one reason people often will leave a job. The number one reason is they don't like their leader. So how do we, you know, my, my journey, um, I just sort of was myself, and uh, it turned out that that worked and had some highly engaged teams, and that led me to, um, you know, to be offered other leadership roles. And um, yeah, it, uh, I think it comes from within. But for those people that maybe want to work on this or that, there's always things that we need to look in the mirror and say, um, okay, how can I do better? I mean, I know CEOs of companies where tens of millions of, hundreds of millions of dollars that are still trying to learn. So um, yeah, so my, my journey was from on-air news anchoring to um, sort of middle management at Shaw, and I, I, I had a few nice um, opportunities to grow in that role. Um, and now I'm the president and CEO of a nonprofit, Junior Achievement Northern Alberta and Northwest Territories, and that's part of a, a global network of junior achievement uh, chapters that teach kids financial literacy, money, um, work readiness, and uh, entrepreneurship. And so I lead a much smaller team, but it's really important work. We'll serve 30,000 youth in our um, trying to in our uh, territory this year. Um, so, you know, big or small, I think uh, like that's my journey, but it's really been a journey of um, sort of constantly making sure that I'm doing the best for my people. So I'm sure, I don't know where it came from. I'm sure it's been around, but, um, you know, take care of the people and they'll take care of the work. And so that's kind of the leader. That's the big thing on my journey, um, empowering people, make sure that making sure that they have everything that they need to be great. Jennifer, I, I've, I've read your story, so I'm, I'm really honored to be able to, to sit here and listen to the words directly from you. And, and I, I, I actually remember you from television watching that too. So, um, <laughs> Gavis, what are you laughing at? Me? Because we're always telling our age. She's, she's only 35. <laughs> yeah, 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 that's right. In the photo album. <laughs> so, um, Jennifer, you you've over the years either either been in, in interviews, whether it be on television, but most of the things that I've read, um, it really touched on a couple areas that Cavis and I have have talked about either privately or or on this podcast to some extent. And 
you know, we, we, we talked about, um, we talked about vulnerability. We talked about, um, um, being imperfect and, and still trying to lead. And, um, you know, I was, I was really moved by reading a number of things because I could relate to them and with, with respect to, you know, with respect to loss and leading while you're experiencing your own loss and, and experiencing grief. And, and I, I, I would really love to hear some of your thoughts on it because I know I'm not the only one that has gone through a loss. And clearly I know you're not the only one that's gone through loss and, and yet still having to lead. And I'm, I'm really interested to, to, if you would be willing to share a little bit, um, about that. Yeah, so um, uh, my husband tragically uh, took his life in 2011, and um, he'd been a police officer and had he counted 13 concussions between policing and sports, a lot of hockey, mm-hmm. like, you know, bleeding from the ear, knocked out cold kind of concussions, and, um, and policing, you know, and it, just back then, I mean, he didn't really get the help that he needed, and so it was, uh, you know, we miss, uh, miss the guy I married every day for sure. Um, but you know, two two boys in their teens and or the you know there's a big difference between being a single parent and a solitary parent so you got to keep going um so i think what it did for me is um you realize uh you know you have to be strong so you, when you don't really have a choice you find it from somewhere um and you i became really empathetic of the people that i led and a much better listener um so you know, we've all had maybe that employee that's taking too many sick days or coming in late, and it's easy to get angry, but uh, I really make sure that I take the time and the space. You have to create the space because we're all busy um, to make sure you really understand what's going on with someone and try to support them rather than jump to conclusions or make make the wrong assumptions. Um, uh, people are doing their best at any given moment, even if it's not very good. Um for whatever reason in their thought process or their physical ability, that's the best that they're able to do. And so um, we, you know, always trying to listen, support, and then steer. So stop going left. Here's how we're going to help you go right. Um, And make them feel, you know, the biggest thing is you're not alone. Um, So for me, um, yeah, it was just, uh, and, and sharing too, you know, sometimes how do you get employees to open up or your team? How do you get them to open up and, and trust you? And the biggest thing I found was being vulnerable, sharing my story and how it sort of shaped my perspectives on leadership and life and priorities and um, the importance of people. Um, and when they see a, a, a leader being authentic and vulnerable, that doesn't mean go out and share things you're uncomfortable sharing. Right. There's usually a way to let them know that you're not just the boss. It's a word I hate. Um, but you're not just the boss, you're a human being, um, because they need to feel safe, always feel safe to come to you with things. I don't, I think we forget, especially been in leadership for a long time. I think we forget how hard it is for people to come to a leader with a problem because they see it as a failure. So I like to tell my people that if you're struggling, it's actually a sign of strength that you're coming to me to ask for help. That's good management rather than struggling along alone. Uh, and having it spiral and get worse to a situation where even together we can't rescue whatever's going on that's impacting you and maybe your you know your performance at work. So creating a safe space, you you have to be aesthetic and you have to 
carve out the time and space because we all know we can stay on that laptop mm-hmm. and answer the emails. The emails will never right. stop. And to have the, um, you know, you look at a quarterback like Tom Brady and the diligence, the um, persistence, the discipline, I think, is the word I'm looking for. Um, you have to have discipline, I, I find, for me as a leader, I, I need to have discipline to make that time to connect with people. Um, I don't care what anybody says. For me, everything in life uh, is all about relationships. And if you're going to have your nose in that laptop and you're not going to have a connection with people, where you're, whether you're trying to manage up to your leader and tell them, hey, you know what, this is maybe what we should be doing, um, or you're managing your team, or you're managing laterally out, um, it's all about relationships and trust. And once you've got, you guys started this podcast with a story of, you know, when you just meet someone and you click, um, what is that worth when you have a problem or you, you know, need to, to create a group and you're going to tackle something together or, you know, you need a supporter, you need someone to bail you out. What is that worth when you have people you can go to? Um, and same if they're coming to you, you do them a solid well, someday you're going to need them too, and you've got that. It's like currency. Mm-hmm. So, um, yeah, I think having the discipline to carve out the time and space to make those connections, um, you know, that even just means going to events, like the one Kavis said yes to a speaking engagement. And I know for a fact at that event he met at least two people that we shared a table with um, who who are influential and helpful, and they have a connection now. So. It's, it's just huge relationships you can never underestimate. I can personally attest to the fact that you're an extremely strong young lady person. Uh, gender aside, you're an extraordinarily strong person. So I have to say that off the bat. You always mention in our conversations the empathy, the, the annoying people, instead of it being uh, essentially a transactional relationship. Can you talk to the leaders out there that – think that everything needs to be transactional and how that does not in today's society allow for a healthy culture that is going to keep retention at a very, very high level and carving out time to be able to sit and chat with people. And can you talk on that just for, for a moment? I think it's just sort of a trust that, um, it's two things. It's having a heart. You know, if someone's needing help or even if it's just advice, even if it's just, uh, you know, to bounce ideas off, um, just being willing. You know, that's when I, I think I started by saying leadership's in here. Um, it's the attitude. It's just a way of being and it's unselfish. So I view leadership as um, a word that I learned from my one of my leaders at Shaw was um, servanthood. So not servitude, but servanthood. So a servant leader. And that can go for um, whether it's people on your team, whether it's people that you don't really know, if someone um, maybe needs you. It's just really an outlook that, you know, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to be giving. I mean, within reason. Um, and, and sometimes you don't realize how it's going to come back to you. But you just kind of have to trust um, that it probably will come back to you in some way, shape, or form. But you also have to be unselfish enough that you're okay with if it doesn't come back to you as in a transactional way, it could be years down the road, um, that that's okay. Because, again, connections, helping people, um, 
you know, numbers are important, but um, you can never go wrong helping someone, even if you don't see the value in it that day. And even if it, the favors never returned, it's just, it's yeah. who you are. It's your values, right? It's your inner value, your core values as a person. I don't know. I, I don't know if that's a good ex- explanation. It, that, uh, that is such a value. Like, Jennifer, just trust. I mean, I've heard you say a bunch of things there, and I, I, I've been marking down the times because I'm going to go back and make sure you listen to this. But the fact that you've talked about, and what I'm, I, I've heard, is you have to trust that when you give, it's not necessarily going to come back directly from the person that you gave it to, but it, it's like an offering, and just believe in the process that it's it's going to return. But you've just got to be continuously willing to do that, and it's different Think than some people have helped you along the way, and have you repaid oh, yeah. them all equally? Not a chance. No, no. So what if we all went around thinking, "Oh, I helped you in this. I gave you this advice. I introduced you to that person. I." What if we all insisted that everyone who helped us had given us something back equally by the time we retire? Or that's just that's oh. impossible. Yeah, Good things there's don't people come I couldn't. <laughs> there's people I couldn't repay. Yeah, you know, an introduction that they made that changed the trajectory in my life or something. There's, and don't you think this is going to get really deep here and profound? But don't you think that if you have an an inability to give without expecting something in return, that that's a reflection of your own self worth? Because if you have a ton of self-worth, self-confidence, um, if you love yourself enough that you can freely give to others because you're not, me, 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 what do I get? What do I get? Like, that's a very insecure state of being. What am I going to get out of this? To me, that's, for me, that doesn't mean I'm mature. That doesn't mean I, I value my fellow human beings, my coworkers, my peers. Um, it's a very small-minded place to live, and I I just don't think it's someone who's fully rounded, fully confident, um, loves themselves enough to, that they they can give to others. It's uh, I think you're it, I think you would have to look in the mirror if you can't just give a little bit when people come to you and say, "Am I small? Am I being small?" Wow, you're smart. <laughs> not, not that I expected anything less. It's just... It, that does not mean that you say yes to everybody. Um, there's a limit. So I, I think there's probably smarter people than me that could maybe build a metric. Um, I know a chairman of a very big um, fleet rental company that has in his office a, a big piece of cardboard that's stuck on a wall of, I think, masking tape. And he's got three things to ask himself before he says yes, because he gets asked for help a lot. And I um, wish I remembered what they were, but it does have to, you can't, you have to do your job. You have to look care, take care of your priorities. You can't give endlessly to people, but you also can't say no to everybody. You mentioned the youth that you work with in Northern Alberta and the territories. And I want to go back to that because I think all too often our generation, I think we're generation X, I think we are. Uh, the, our generation, some letter. Some letter. But uh, 
I believe our generation and our leadership style is almost a hybrid of the high tech instant information, but also the high process uh, uh, culture that the baby boomers are used to. I think that we get the best of being in between. We, some say we can't work with millennials and the others said the baby boomers are too structured, too, uh, too precise in terms of what their expectations are versus having some latitude. In today's youth, what are you seeing in terms of there being a gap in terms of having and developing leaders? What can we do better as that uh, Gen X millennial group that are helping to train and nurture the next leadership uh, generation? What are some of those gaps or issues you see? I'll just start, but I think the biggest thing that we can do is listen from them and learn. So we all think we know better. Our generation was better. We've got the experience. I think a lot of people in, you know, have been in business for a few decades um, think that they have nothing to, the, the younger folks coming up have, don't have as much to offer. And that may be true in some cases, but I think we need to listen and learn from them because they know things I don't. And they approach things uh, because of, you know, growing up in a tech era um, that I, I can certainly learn from. Um, so I think we, we don't value young people enough. Um, that said, I share the frustration of many, you know, we hear the word entitlement uh, a lot. Um, we hear about younger people coming out of post-secondary and thinking that they should make this much and they should make that much. Um, and maybe the value of hard work is lost on some. Um, the, uh, but I think there's a happy medium. There's no right or wrong. Um, I do worry about the lack of face-to-face -face personal skills. Uh, folks that have grown up with their face in a, in a phone. Um, I worry about social media. Um, I worry about automation. You know, look at this new AI. Like, write an essay for me. Write a poem. Write a, like, is it Chad? It's crazy. Um, so I think what I think it would it, be nice if I could offer folks I'm leading of that generation uh, some perspective on the value of some of the things we've talked about here, relationships, face-to-face, -face, making time. Um, that's, you know, I'm constantly telling people, and again, I learned this from my leaders, stop emailing, pick up the phone, go for a coffee. You'll find out way more than you ever expected, and uh, usually good things come of it. Um, you know, get off the, the tech and have some human interactions. So nice to pass some of that on. Do I need to move inside? Is there a, I don't need to brag or anything, no. but, you know, they're chopping down the coconuts and cutting all that green grass. And if it's too loud with the gardeners, it's coming fine. I can move in. Like. No, the coconuts aren't bothering me at all. Okay. Other than these jealous feelings that just keep coming up and bubbling to the oh. surface, I'm okay other but, than that. But I think the us and them approach is really detrimental. I think we have to be uh, humble, always humble, um, and don't uh, don't don't uh, judge everybody with the same broad brush and lots of listening and um, yeah, sharing what we can as as opposed to sort of I 
not a fan of that top-down leadership. You know, me, bossy, worker, do what I do what I tell you to. I, the word collaboration's been thrown around a ton in the last ten years, and but it is so true. Collaboration is not listening and then ignoring. Collaboration is listening and actually taking some of the input into putting it into action. Jennifer, I'm going to... I I had a different question initially, but, uh, you know, if if you could talk to a younger version of Colin, I know I look very young, thank you, but but if you... I'm, I'm imagining myself you know, 25 years ago, <laughs> wanting to, feeling, hey, listen, maybe maybe I want to be a leader. I wanted to, I was looking at the next step in my career and maybe struggling a bit and wondering why am I not. Um, and being a very frustrated version of Colin, at particular that time, impatient. Um, uh, but, but lots of energy, wanted to wanted to, to have some impact on, on things. If you were to talk to a younger version of me, and uh, and I had the opportunity to, to sit down and, and have that coffee with you. <laughs> what kind of things would you tell me I should really think about it in that in that part of my life is going going forward in terms of what's really what's the, the important things I should be thinking about wanting to be a leader, wanting to step into a, a, the next part of my like career, whatever it might be. So uh, I guess two things. Number one is always have a goal and realize that there's going to be some smaller goals along the way. So if you have one big, great, amazing goal, great, um, but realize that like a sailboat, if you're trying to go across the bay and you see your destination ahead of you, you are probably going to have to zigzag and it may feel like you're going off course, but eventually you are getting there. So have a goal have the short-term goals that will get you there. Understand that sometimes opportunities come your way that don't seem to make sense and don't seem like they're getting you any closer to your goal. But if it's a chance to learn and grow and take on more responsibility, that's okay because you never know what's going to come after that. Just keep moving forward in some way, shape, or form, even if it's not what you planned. Um, Never be afraid of an opportunity. Uh, A lot of people, when they say no to things, I'll, I'll ask them, uh, I'll challenge them. Okay, so you know what you know what saying no looks. Or you know what saying yes looks like. If you don't think you want it, stop and think. What if I said no? What does that look like? Now I'm not doing this. I'm not meeting that person. I'm not learning this new thing. I'm not, um, you know, exposing myself, challenging myself. Um, you know, so don't just think. Yeah, I've got this opportunity. I I don't want to go do that. Okay, so. What if you don't? What if you don't? What does not look like? And is that really any better? Maybe you're stuck. Maybe you're going to stagnate. Maybe you're not going to meet new people. Um, I, I really believe in just trying to do, especially when you're young, trying to do everything you can. Even at my age, you know, mid fifties, I'm taking on a new role um, on the side uh, with my board's approval um, to try to bring some of my leadership and sort of business planning. Um, to to companies who need a little bit of like you know a, a consultancy on leadership and, and business structure and org structure and role mandates and um, all that good good stuff. And I'm learning now. Um, I'm learning now because I'm in a business. I'm helping a business that is nothing that I've ever done. 
So I'm learning things from them, but a business is a business. You can, you know, the org and the structure and the discipline and the planning, that applies whether you're selling popsicles or lumber. Um, but I'm learning from them because uh, it's more to do with lumber than popsicles, and I don't know, I'm learning a lot. So never say no. Always be willing to learn. You growth. touched on it um, twice, and I, I want to go back to it. And, take your and lumps. Hopefully have you You know, sometimes you're going to fail, but Not every day try. is going to be um, as you are sitting and, in Mexico, uh, 72 yeah, degrees, perfect weather. Um, and then the no, underlying thing, no too, wind, is what makes you happy. Not every day is um, going to be I that. think we'd all love to have jobs that we love. What are some of the love? tools that you've that's necessarily used in terms of managing adversity in a perfect world, we do. As a leader and both as someone in a very good culture, uh, under Mr. Shaw uh, was able to, to, to gain. So a couple of things, resilience, um, which means to me, get over yourself. <laughs> um, we all have feelings and strong opinions and, um, but I think you, you know, when bad things face yourself, you really have to realize that um, they're huge to you at the time, and they are. Um, they're a big deal, but uh, there's there's lots of people in the world, and we're all doing our best. And uh, I like to say, nothing stays the same forever. Um, the good things don't last either. Um, but fortunately for us, the bad times don't last forever. We can get through them. Um, have some faith in yourself and others, uh, one foot in front of the other. It's, it's that's sort of you know good old fashioned. Like when I lost my husband, I I didn't nothing could have prepared me for that and uh, all the different challenges of raising two boys on my own and um, you just you figure it out and just trust in yourself that you can. And also you know resilience for me means even if it's a problem at work or a problem in leadership is don't get overwhelmed. Um, you're not going to tackle something big all at once and get it done just like that. It's how do you eat an elephant one bite at a time? Just keep till you get there. And um, so, yeah, resilience, get over yourself, um, keep plugging. Um, and then the biggest thing I think is uh, accurate perspective. We tend to blow things out of proportion. Um, or minimize things that are great about ourselves or accomplishments or ability. We tend to minimize our own ability and strength. That self-talk, right? That voice in your head. Um, so I'm constantly challenging whether I have an accurate perspective on things. And sometimes I'll ask other people, too. you got to get out of your head. Yeah, I was just going to ask that question. How, how do you try to get that accurate perspective for, for yourself? Because I've... I don't want to experience the same thing. So Yeah, so sometimes I'll say if my best friend or, you know, my, my colleague at work that I love and respect, if they came to me with what I'm dealing with, what would I tell them? And then I say, so why in the world am I telling myself all these hard things? Would anyone, even someone who doesn't know me, if they, this is a situation and this is their assessment, um, they're never as hard on us as we are ourselves or, you know, have as least confident as we have in ourselves. So we really spiral in our own heads, and I think it's just important to step back. So I, I challenge myself. I use that. What would my friend tell me? What would the stranger on the, you know, at the restaurant table beside say? What would their assessment be? It's never as hard as the one I have in my own mind or as bad. And then um, 
really, and I think men might have a harder time with this, but really seeking out your mentors or your supporters, or even if, if it's, you know, a brother, a sister, a spouse, a, a friend, um, you know, and maybe you can't divulge all the details, but talk to people. It's, it's, it's that thing we've heard and heard and heard, but a lot of people really have trouble taking that advice. Um, it's not, as I go back to the point I made earlier, it's not a weakness to talk to someone. It's actually a sign of strength. I know that I want an expert opinion. If you need a tax opinion or a legal opinion, you try to figure it out yourself. No, you go to someone else. And you're a strong male leader or female leader for doing that, right? That's smart. So why is it such a sin? Why is it so, so humiliating? to ask for someone to be a sounding board on something else. It reminds me of the quote, I'm brilliant because I know what I don't know, but I'm, and I'm smart enough to surround myself with the people yeah. that do know. <laughs> That's where my brilliance yeah. come from. Yeah. <laughs> and, and you, you touched on something, Jennifer, that I really would like to uh, go a little bit deeper into. It reminds me of a book that's titled Love Yourself Like Your Life Depends on It. And in that, the positive conversations with ourselves is very important. I think we're in a society where we're so result-driven that we forget the, the prosperity that, that comes from the process. And even not succeeding, or as we call it, failure, even not succeeding has so many tremendous lessons. And in the times of struggle and the time of not figuring something out, why is it important to have positive conversations about yourself in terms of speaking positively to yourself, inner self, reaffirming yourself, giving yourself pats on the back when you do things well and not being deconstructive when things don't go, go your way? What is the value of that in terms of self-development? Well, I think you're going to make better decisions because you're coming from a place of strength and confidence. Um, you're going to make, I think, decisions that maybe aren't um, centered around your own insecurities. As a leader, we have to think of everybody else. Um, and I think... Um, it's very, leaders need, we, we need to be charismatic. And who's going to follow an insecure leader? Uh, if you're, you know, a firefighter and your captain's telling you to run into a burning building and he doesn't look confident about that situation because maybe he's making the wrong decision. Maybe the decision is to attack it with, an, you know, an aerial ladder. Um, people pick up on things. And uh, so, I, yeah, I think you really have to, if you're feeling um, weak, insecure, um, it's, it's very challenging if you let your people see that. You know, Jennifer, we had, um, uh, I, I gave this, I think it was Manly McLaughlin that, that, that talked about um, this very point that Jennifer shared as well, he, you know, the, the People need your energy as a leader. They they absolutely need your energy, and um, and so if they if they see us a little down, uh, you know, 
they'll recognize there would be something going on, but the reality is that they're absolutely depending on your energy, your enthusiasm, your your um, uh, the, the the spark to uh, to to keep things lit, and and uh, it's an important thing that uh, without it. It doesn't take very long before the team loses its momentum. Those people who would, as you say, you know, you may be asking to run into a burning building, but if if your enthusiasm doesn't look great or you, you seem like you're questioning yourself a little too much in the moment, um, you know, they're they're not they're not going to be confident to make that big step. Well, you need some consistency, and that's not to say that you might have a down day or you might be going through something tough in your life, but. In general, on average, the consistency of you know being positive, uh, facing tough times, especially, and always being positive and um, seeing a way out of it, um, and coming from a place of confidence. The decisions might be hard and awful, um, but they you know you're running the business. Uh, you still have to make sure that even if they're hard decisions, you're the one making them, and you're comfortable even if they're terrible. It's an option between worse and worst. Um, that you're picking the best right path for your team and, and your company. So You know, Cavis and I work with lots of people who work in the construction sectors, industries, and, you know, your, your point earlier on, particularly male, the, the, you know, the industries that we work in or work with are many males and who have, unfortunately, some of the highest levels of, of uh, mental health issues that that go unresolved and uh, can often end up in very tragic places for for, for people. And um, it could be loss of life, but it, but it also be loss of relationships. It it, it can result in, in substances and 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 um, things that become you know part of their uh, an addictive personality in order to just resolve what's going on and not necessarily feel that they've. I say bold enough to be able to approach um, to approach somebody, and and I uh, I really appreciate you you know being willing to, to 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 speak to this. But as I'm listening, like my goodness, like there's so many people that need to hear what you just said, um, uh, particularly for those who are in a leadership role, formally or informally. Um, whether it be a supervisor or, or uh, an owner of a business who may be going through this themselves. And, and so I, um, I'm, I'm just I'm absolutely impressed. And I just, I just wanted to thank you for, uh, for sharing that. Uh, Kavis, you've, uh, you see the same kinds of things. And um, you've, dealt with, you've dealt with that for a number of years and also leading you know, other men in both in, in, in sport as well as in business. And maybe you have some thoughts on that too. I think it's very important that uh, the Tismo that we represent and think has it makes us stronger people actually is a weakness now uh, because uh, when you internalize a lot of uh, conflict, a lot of uh, battles mentally, emotionally, uh, it deteriorates you not only from a health perspective, but as Jennifer and you both said, from a leadership decision-making perspective. Uh, we are caretakers. Uh, we are asked to be stewards of people's well-being. And in order to do that, we need to be as healthy as we possibly can from a mental, emotional, and physical perspective. And that is a, a mark of a very sensitive, uh, very uh, in-tuned leader is to seek help. 
just recently we see the the u.s senator that's seeking help for some depression that's not weakness uh, no matter how much people try to portray it that way it's not weakness suffering in silence means that not only you suffer but all the people around you uh, and under your stewardship suffer as well so I, I truly believe that it's an important question that we have to keep continuously uh, answering and encouraging people to seek help um, help is available even if help comes in the form of just picking up the phone and having a conversation with a trusted friend um, and as yeah. go ahead Jennifer. no no finish your thoughts sorry and uh, all i was going to finish with is uh all sometimes we need is to hear ourselves speak about the issue. We don't need an answer. We just need a sounding board. I think, too, that when people really start to get down on themselves or, that, you know, feel that their problems are insurmountable, um, there can be, every situation is obviously different, um, there can be a feeling that uh, there's no hope, there's no solution, and there always is, and we talked about having an accurate perspective. Um, so I would say for people, you know, don't ever give up hope. Um, you might not have the answers, you might not see the way out, um, but we all know from watching other people, even when things seem dire, um, there's, there's a way. And then um, even if you can't see it, and then the other thing I think people get into the trap of is that Folks around them would be better off without them. Um, they won't miss me. They don't need me. Their lives would be better, actually, if I wasn't here causing this mess or here unable to fix whatever's going wrong. And nothing could be further from the truth. Um, I think people that get into mental health crises underestimate the unimaginable trauma and damage, uh, lifelong Pain is barely a word to cover it that they leave behind. Um, and so if you're, you know, if people are thinking, well, this is an unselfish act, I'll just take myself out of the picture and everyone will continue on and they'll be better off without me. I, I can't even, I can't even find the words to say how wrong that is. Um, it's a million times, it's infinity times worse. Uh, trying to pick up the pieces after someone takes their life than um, lean in and figure stuff out even if it's unpleasant going forward. I'm going to give you a second to digest our, our last question. I, and I think Colin and I usually try to guess what the individual is going to say. And I, we are trying to create um, through this uh, a prototypical leader, um, meaning we're trying to create the perfect leader we can build that individual in a lab um, oh my gosh <laughs> yeah so, and if i can get it into a little vial of some sort <laughs> so we're, we're asking ourselves, what are some of the characteristics or the most important characteristic of a leader that you feel we should put into this formula i think humble um, being, you know, humble means that you're willing to let other people shine around you. Um, the leader doesn't have to know everything. They just have to know how to put good people around them and then listen to them and let them drive things forward without taking all the credit because that's, you know, never fun. People will stop being great. 
um, and driven. You uh, let's face it, you're not going to be a great leader unless that doesn't mean you have to be going crazy rah rah all the, all the time. Sometimes you're driven because you know you're staying up late or you're working twelve hour days or you're just like oh, I'm here in Mexico, supposed to be on vacation, but I'm laying on the beach and I'm thinking, thinking, thinking. Oh, I want to do this or I want to change that. Or, and you're um, talking to these two nuts. <laughs> um, so yeah, for me, humble and driven, and there's probably a thousand other words you could put in. But uh, the one thing I would caution is that whatever that vial is, that prototype is, I don't think it should have the word perfect on it. Because I don't think that's possible. <laughs> the only perfect person that crucified, right? So we should. Yeah, they killed him anyways. Setting them up to failure—that's the first law of leadership. Most of failure. So we we'll redact that statement and say the best leader. <laughs> you know the the other thing, and everybody. Everybody is breaking the rules on this because we we've, we've been asking people to give us the one thing, the one thing that can't go in the that you know the one thing right that can't go without, and people are giving us like four like <laughs> no one's no one's sticking with one. <laughs> so I, I think I'm going to make a word cloud. One of those word cloud things, and uh, see how we make out at, at, at the end of this season. <laughs> you know, we're we're going to probably ask him one time, not be repeated. Humility is the first one. This is the first time it really has come up. Empathy has been. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Don't you think that also you have to be a different leader depending on what the situation calls for? Yes. Because uh, if you're in the military, there is uh, there's very great. There's very little gray. If you're in a certain business, if you're an engineer, there's very little gray. If you're in groceries or whatever, you have some latitude and some creativity. So yeah, there are rules that would dictate the style of leadership that you would have to have. But there are things that are universal, uh, regardless of the, the trait. Uh, humility as a general in the battle. I think uh, you may you may need to have it, but also what you said earlier may be more applicable. You may have to have decisiveness and ability to motivate people. You, you know, um, in, uh, Patrick Lencioni's book, The Ideal Team Player. I made a plug for 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 the guy's book, so I'm expecting the royalty check. But you know, he talks about the ideal team player being uh, hungry, humble, and smart. Right? People smart. But um, uh, and and all three of those have to exist at the right levels, and because it's the overlap of those three circles that creates the ideal team player. Two of the three, awful. <laughs> I, I think um, I think I said driven, which would be the same as you know fierce or yeah, whatever yeah, people want to call yeah. Decisive, I think yeah. decisive. I was assuming was just a given. Every leader needs to be decisive. Oh, I love it. For some things, I guess I take for granted. The leader hey, is decisive. <laughs> stopped here. You've got to make the hard decisions, and you can't waffle forever. Get it I done. Love it. I love Sometimes it. I have a hard time deciding which socks I should wear that today. I like these ones because they're nice and thick. These ones are the right color. 
Thank you for listening to this episode of Bald Leadership. If you enjoyed the show, please follow, like, and share. See you next time.